Everybody and welcome back to another awesome show of VCR, the Vintage Cinema Repair. So thanks for tuning on in. This is, as always, Professor Clink coming at you. And we're here today with a very special guest. And CM, I'm going to just let you introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I am CM Alexander, and I'm one of three co-hosts of the podcast Dairy Public Radio, which is a bi-weekly Stephen King book club style podcast. And we do deep dives on all of King's work, including movies and miniseries. And I guess the best and simplest way to describe us is that we offer a variety of perspectives ranging from the comfortably familiar to the frighteningly fanatic on all of King's work. Oh my gosh. Which, CM, first off, one, voice from heaven. All right. (laughs) You have been gifted with a voice from heaven. But two, please tune into their podcast, folks. It is a, a great resource, A, if you're a Stephen King fan, but two, if you just love good book reading and good stuff about how to how to just – you want a great book club. Dairy Public Radio is the best. And congratulations also, CM. You guys are like the number one podcast in Luxembourg. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Luxembourg. I have a quick question. Yeah. Do I call you Professor Clink? Because that feels a little weird to me. No, just call me in. It's <laughs> okay. It's just only only because I'm a teacher. You know, I loved I love the per, I had the Professor Clink on. I I don't know fun. why it feels dirty coming out of my mouth. <laughs> well, it is not it is not dirty, but I will tell you what is dirty: the movie you have chosen for <laughs> this amazing episode of of Vintage Cinema Repairs. So I'm just gonna see. I'm just gonna let you introduce the movie you're talking about today. What is it? Awesome, thank you. So I chose a late 90s neo-noir sci-fi film that is not The Matrix, but it did come out a year before that. So if you enjoy The Matrix, I can't imagine that you would not also enjoy this. And it's the same guy who did The Crow, another amazing movie. You can't get any better than that. I chose Dark City. Dark City. You know, when you when you told me about this, I, I literally, I laughed out loud. I literally lulled because... <laughs> Nobody remembers Dark City. I, it, it fascinates me that this is a movie people have forgotten in the lexicon of history. And I, you know, if you know the history of the movie, I understand why. Um, but yeah, this is this is a, a, a really interesting uh, late '90s. I think it came out in '98. Um, directed by, as you said, the the director of The Crow, um, Alex Proyos, and. You know, the first thing that I, I find fascinating, you know, he's a, a director of music videos before he got into doing The Crow. And you can totally tell from Dark City. You know, you can absolutely yeah. tell that this is a movie made by a a, a videographer of, of that time period. I, I think I, I read somewhere that there is literally a cut every two seconds in this movie. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and and it and it shows. I mean, it's a fast movie, but uh, 
but you know, before we get to that, let's talk about the plot of this movie. So what's the plot of, of Dark City? Absolutely. So, okay, sorry. First, can I say, it's insane to me you mentioned that people don't really know this movie or remember it because it has so many things going for it. It has an amazing cast. So Jennifer Connelly oh. is in it at uh, her most Fever gorgeous. Sutherland. <laughs> yeah, it's Jennifer Connelly before she went Linda Hamilton T2 skinny, which only Linda can pull off Linda T2 skinny, in my opinion. <laughs> she does. She does. There is, there's different. There's like the Labyrinth Connelly, the Creepers Connelly. Yeah. Then there's kind of that weird... Uh, stealing beauty or you know whatever you know era of Connolly, which this I think is in there <laughs> yeah and then it's like then beautiful mind happen and it's like completely different Jennifer Connolly. we also have uh, Rufus Sewell who's the star I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right and as you mentioned Kiefer Sutherland being I feel like not as Kiefery as I'm used to him being <laughs> I you know it, and it's interesting his choice because of all I don't view Kiefer Sutherland as a what you call a character actor mm-hmm. at all at all I mean you know growing up all of course I think all of us especially as, as fans of Stephen King you know he's Ace Merrill from Stand by Me yeah you know for for a lot of years way before he's Jack you know Bauer this yeah but this is a it's a Kiefer who's really acting he's really coming up with this character that uh, my favorite part about Kiefer he has the weirdest language speech issue in this movie where where everything is is kind of like this and I'm talking as as if I I can't do (laughs) and I and I've looked every I've tried to find research why he does it in that in that style um but it works for his character in this as the kind of the mad scientist role uh, of of this movie. Uh, but yeah, Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, before we even, I mean, later on, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to the the hurt, okay? Because I mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with the hurt. But <laughs> yeah, one thing I love about this movie is it has one of the only other major roles for Richard O'Brien from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, because he's normally more of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy, right? Yeah, I mean, he, I mean that's the biggest one of, you know, of course, shock treatment and you know, Rocky Horror. You know, he's, he's mostly been a theater guy, but, but he's turned up here or there in certain movies. But his looks for this character in Dark City is just almost beautiful in it and in, in, in his you know because he has that kind of skinny balding face mm-hmm. and and it's and you know he's creepy in rocky horror if you actually look at you know <laughs> he looks like the farmer the the famous iowa american gothic painting mm-hmm. richard o'brien looks like that guy <laughs> uh so it it works for this but yeah it's an amazing amazing cast um and bruce spence from uh you know everybody knows from the uh well, 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 kids will know from the uh, the classic uh, Nemo, you know, the, the voice mm. of the shark in the Nemo movies. But of course, I think we know him from Mad Max movies. Yeah, you know, Matt, you know Road Warrior and and Mad Max, uh, you know, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Um, but but this, I, I, and I want to see this challenge, Sam. What is the plot of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, <laughs> folks at home, sit down and good luck on this one. I, I want to see yeah. if you can do this. Okay. Well, it, is it okay if I take a minute to warm up to just like oh, absolutely. Over it? Okay. Absolutely. I saw this movie as a teen, so I consider it probably very biased. Uh, a pivotal teen years film. Because in part of it is what you mentioned about this unique look. It's a beautiful, romantic blend of crime, drama, sci-fi, romance. It is artistic. It's dark and moody. And when it stops, at least for me, I wanted more of it. I craved this world and these characters, which is kind of why I refer to it as a, as a pivotal movie. Because when I watched it as a teen, it opened my mind up to more critical thought, the way I feel like most horror movies do really well, I would spend hours thinking about it, wondering how, why, and what, and and fantasizing about being the characters, and not just the female lead. I mean, who doesn't fantasize about being Jennifer Connelly? But all of them. I oh, I do experience... every day. I... <laughs> I, you know, you just want to experience this movie every way possible. So, I mean, I guess I'm saying it's like an okay film, you know. Um, but it is about a guy named John Murdoch who has amnesia. So he doesn't know who he is, and neither do we as the audience, which is really cool. But the important thing around, about him is that everyone else is pretty sure that he is a serial killer. And so we spend this movie with John as he tries to not only figure out who he is, but clear his name, run from the police, and for a, a beautiful twist... He's also running from a group of people, people with quotes around it, known as the Strangers. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, this is where Richard O'Brien is. And they're dressed, you know, the, 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 the Strangers have such a unique look to them. Cause they're, and, and why this is so interesting, this movie predates that whole Matrix thing, is they're dressed in, like, all leather. And they can basically manipulate the world around them. Mm-hmm. Right. They can they can change buildings. They can change uh, how things look. They can move things. Um, I mean, I swear to God, if they had on glasses and, you know, suits and a tie, they would be the agents from the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a really cool and I feel so terrible. I can't remember who this YouTuber is, but there's a, a comparison between this film, Dark City and The Matrix, and you can see all of these shots, like they took heavily from it. You can tell that The Matrix was very much inspired by this. And a lot of the set pieces are actually the same too. So even beyond what they did intentionally, just using those set pieces gives you that similar kind of feel. And it makes me wonder, because The You're Matrix- You're lying. No. You are lying. They, they took sets from Dark City and used it in The Matrix. Yes, I and I believe there's a the one I remember for sure. I think is the staircase in the hotel when he's running or in the apartment building. There's like that really beautiful winding staircase scene and the just the tile on the floor at the bottom there. I believe that is one of the sets. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I never caught that. Is it so watching Dark City in the Matrix? Is it like that scene in the Matrix where he sees the cat twice? Like watching these two movies? Is it like a glitch where we're seeing something repeat? I swear to God. I mean, that's the thing that that you could actually put this in a Matrix world as mm-hmm. if it's an own like a sub, almost a sub version of the Matrix itself. You know, Dark City could have actually been repackaged and re-released as a 
as a, as a sequel, <laughs> a prequel or something to the matrix. I mean, we'll get to that a little bit later maybe, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's yeah. And, and, and it's a really unique film in the sense of, I argue that this goes in that category and I don't know what you think, but where you have to watch it a few times to kind of get what it's all really about. You know, I, and I think there are a couple movies like that, you know, like the big Lebowski or, uh, you know, Memento or something. You, you, you don't really, you're so like, just to me, I was so blown away by the visuals of this movie. The first time I saw it that I, I had to be like, well, was that no? Okay, let me pop it in again. <laughs> I totally agree because the first time you watch it, it's it's pretty, it's beautiful, and you do get distracted by that. Not in a bad way, but I stopped the film realizing I don't quite know as much as I want to know what that was all about. So I've watched it a number of times, and I even watched it last night. And watching it last night, kind of thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, I watched it even more carefully and critically. And just that first scene when John wakes up in the hotel bathtub and he has no memory mm-hmm. of anything, Rufus does such an amazing job of playing a guy with amnesia without saying a word in telling us the audience. We can tell right away he is confused and out of sorts. And also he has a really nice butt, which is not important to his <laughs> acting, but it is. <laughs> You know what? It is 2020. You girls deserve some manners. (laughs) Thank you. You deserve to have that. It's been all these years of us getting the goods. You need, and you know what? This is long ago. This is 98. They were, they were reaching out to you way back when. They were. Give you what you needed. (laughs) You know, the the one actor, I will say this though, I also love in, in, in this movie, of course, is the fucking hurt. Oh, that, yeah. Any first off, any movie with William Hurt, take my goddamn money. All right, it's it's that it, you know it's that 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 uh, Futurama meme, you know, just shut up and mm-hmm. take my money. I don't care if it's the Hurt. Uh, you know, any movie the Hurt is in. But what's interesting about Dark City, you know, talking about the performances, I think everybody is so grandiose and everybody is so great in this movie uh, for their roles. But the one character in the movie that's so very subdued. And is very calm and quiet, and is really is William Hurt, and so it's almost a weird. You don't expect Hurt to do that in a movie, yeah. you know. I I expect him to be you know the scene chewer, the the going for broke William Hurt, you know who just, you know he's always on fire um, as an actor, even in The Big Chill or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's he's on fire, but this one he's just kind of like, mm-hmm, yep. It so, but it so makes that person him stand died. out. Though because does, he's, yeah. he's so understated and everyone else, they're not overacting, but I mean, they're just, they are, they're all chewing the scenery. So for him to come in and you expect, like, I, I think specifically of the confrontation with John, Emma, um, and the detective and they're in the hallway and she, mm. you know, kind of mm-hmm. tackles him and tells John to run. You expect kind of a blow up or a bigger reaction. And he's like, oh, God, I hate when that happens. And he just goes <laughs> after him. I know, because usually the hurt would actually be in the Kiever Sutherland role. You know, he'd be the one kind of doing that weird, over-exaggerated yeah. doctor, and, and it would almost be Kiever Sutherland who's more of the. It, you know, if you reverse that, where Kiever Sutherland was the cop mm-hmm. and was a little bit more subdued, and 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 you know, the hurt is the doctor who's just outrageous and 
and all that stuff. But I, I'm sorry. Like this, that, that's what sold me a Dark City. That's why I wanted to watch it. I heard William Hurt was in it. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> like, 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 you know, I'm all about that. And I don't know if you know this, but my favorite thing about this movie is actually it's it's not even the sets because you know. And we'll talk about that. I mean, really, the sets, I mean, it's such a, a great production value within this movie. I mean, those sets, you know, the fact that this movie is only made for $27 million. And mm-hmm. I know that that still is a big chunk of change. But I watched this movie, and I'm sorry, I think a Marvel, this almost looks better than a Marvel movie. And they spend billions of dollars on, I, their, on their sets. You don't have to say almost. It just does. <laughs> it looks more real and intangible and it's it, can I share <laughs> I don't usually mm-hmm. well no I do usually quote things but um, I was looking up the set information because I was so interested in it on Wikipedia and I love the way that the what the designer had to say about it oh please yeah I'd love to hear this so uh, a guy named Patrick Tatopoulos I'm probably butchering that uh, he's the one who drew the concepts for this world of Dark City. And his idea was that the movie takes place everywhere and takes place nowhere. It's built of pieces of cities, um, a corner from one place, a corner from a different place. So his intention was that you didn't really know where you were in the city because part of it could look mm. like London and another portion could look like New York. But the bottom architecture looks like a European city. So you're there, but you're disoriented. You don't know where you are. And it's mm-hmm. like every time you travel, you're lost. That's what he had to say about it. And it's like, yes, <laughs> you pulled it off perfectly. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's very much a noir movie. I mean, this yeah. this is a detective 1940s type visual, which, I mean, is very much Blade Runner-esque, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I even remember on the, the the making of Blade Runner, you know, which, which again is so ironic that this predated the the Matrix. You know, they they call out, well, the Matrix ripped off Blade Runner, and and, and, and you know that that world and stuff like that being at 1940s, and it's like, well, no, actually, it's kind of like they did that with <laughs> Dark City. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it which actually, you know, within the story, because you know, a lot of it's about these these recreated memories that these strangers have. It would actually make sense that the world would not be one common thing mm-hmm. with, within that story. So, so I actually like—I actually really like when movies do that. You know, the, the 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 production design is thinking way beyond just surface value of what looks pretty and what we're going to present to the audience. It's actually fitting with the story. You know, these these structures are—you know—somebody has a memory from 1940s London, so that building's going to look like that but then somebody has a 1970s car and and it yeah Yeah. it's purposely ambiguous absolutely yeah and the strangers they we come to find out they don't understand humanity so how they kind of piece this together is really unique are they alone (laughs) (laughs) in 2020 cm are they alone oh i have some notes about that too (laughs) okay (laughs) um yeah, you know what I always loved about about this too. For me, and 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 what I've known more of Dark City that I as a fandom than than I've done the actual movie, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I love this soundtrack by uh, by Trevor Jones, um, who, you know, if if any if any of you, know, he's he's not really up there. He's not like a Jerry Goldsmith. He's not a, a John Williams. Like he's well known. 
but he has done some great stuff from Excalibur and you know a couple of, you know a couple other movies. This soundtrack, I mean, is a mix of science fiction and an action movie, which I mean, Dark City isn't really an action movie per se. I think that is where it does very much veer away from like Matrix mm-hmm. uh, in its similarities, but it adds in elements of jazz. Which is so neat for a science fiction movie to have jazz elements in the yeah. score. Um, I don't know. Do you ever just listen to the soundtrack? Do you ever, do you have it? I I don't have it, but I am very I'm very aware of soundtracks because I I do some music too, um, and I'm very in tune with sound and and how everything kind of comes together and supports other pieces. So if a movie soundtrack or or score, you know, just any of the sound bed stuff is not supportive and does not is not cohesive. It really stands out to me. And I've been known to say this movie would be a thousand times better if it had a good soundtrack, but this is pulling me right out of it. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's funny. Yeah. You have to have the right music score. If you don't, yeah. if, and I, and I do stand by a director should think about that way in the script stage. You know, I, I like directors who will actually write in their script notes what kind of song should be playing in this, in this because you know the song is going to make up what the attitude is. It's going to change how the scene is. Um, I think what what uh, I'm trying to think of what the movie is off the top of my head um, where they. Oh, I think it was Blade Runner, actually. You know, uh, you know, the great composer Vangelis was making the music as you know, based on not the movie, but he made it based off the story and the script. Mm-hmm. And so he would send the his recordings to Warner Brothers for them to play it while the scenes are going on. And I just think that's so that's helpful as as some you know filmmaker myself when the actors can hear it, when they can know the mood you're yes. actually going to set the tone to. Um, that makes a difference. You know, nothing, I hate nothing more than when, you know, it's a party scene in a movie and you know, all the extras are just kind of sitting there bopping their shoulders (laughs) and you know, they have no fucking clue what that song is. Oh, not at all. And you know, they're screaming like, Hey, what's going on? Hey, yeah. You know, and of course, you know, then a director, you know, surprises them and puts in like a slow song. And so they're bopping (laughs) to a slow song. Uh, you just yeah no that's, that's the worst. Or I also love it. There's a great scene from another Hurt movie, like I said, The Big Chill, uh, where uh, you know Kevin Klein is like bopping his hands to the song and on the radio, and he's like, oh, it's a great song. And he cranks up. He had no clue what the song was, so he's just like <laughs> beat bopping with his hands, and it ends mm-hmm. up being you know uh, Bad Moon Rising by Creedence, <laughs> and so his drumming doesn't match at all. <laughs> to, to you know to the to the scene itself so oh no no i i think i think a director should know and i i trevor jones i mean it just like i said if you can get the soundtrack uh for those of you listening it's it is i, I it's up there in one of the great sci-fi scores i mm-hmm. think I, I i'm not saying it's the best it's but it's certainly in the top 20 i think everything about this film is i would not change top to bottom i think it's just perfect honestly <laughs> Including Shull's mullet? <laughs> you know, that I mullet. said everything. I got to stick with it. You're going to stick with a mullet. You're going to stick with a permed mullet. I, I have to. Ladies and gentlemen, to. there yeah. it is. <laughs> oh, 
Jeez. <laughs> that Everybody, <hurts. laughs> every hero should have a perm oh. mullet in a movie. Mm, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Got to double down. I love mullets. Give everybody a mullet. <laughs> okay, I, I will say this. The best mullet in any movie ever, besides Joe Dierte, is Jean-Claude Van Damme oh. in Hard Target. <laughs> the wet Cajun mullet yep. is the shit. It is the shit. It's bold, and he does it. Yeah, he does. He pulls it off. <laughs> I don't care who you are. When he when he jumps over that arrow, and that mullet is like two seconds behind his mullet, you know, or that that action of the scene. Oh, it's just oh, that's <laughs> robbed of an Oscar. Uh, so thank that's you mullet. for trying to make me seem more normal. I I do I do I totally get it. <laughs> um, you know the interesting part about Dark City that that I also you know in 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 just kind of doing some research and looking, you know. What's so what's so interesting is if they maybe just waited a year for this movie to come out because the problem with Dark City, like other movies in '98, is it was in the shadow of a big giant fucking boat, which was Titanic. <laughs> yeah, you know it was. It just it got lost, I, you know, and uh, you know at the very end, you know, this movie. You know, on a twenty-seven million dollar budget, only made fourteen million. And I would argue, and I don't know what, what your thoughts are, but I I would argue it's not because of the movie. I, it's not because it's a bad movie. I just think it's just audiences were going to see Titanic, and just didn't see this movie. What What do you think about that? I completely agree with that. I I think it's a combination of that, and then you have not too long after that, The Matrix being released and. Like I love The Matrix. This is not a, a criticism of it at oh, all. Yeah, yeah. But I think part of the problem is that The Matrix, as, as wild and out there and unique as it is, as it was when it came out, it really captured sci-fi fans, but also sort of that general audience. And Dark City didn't quite do that. And I feel like, and I'm curious what you think about this, Dark City is not as... These are, I'm not going to have the right words for this, but flash and flashy, actiony as The Matrix. Not yeah. that The Matrix mm-hmm. is like super actiony, but it's, it's more of a critical thought film without that buffer of action or whatever that is that most movies have for just the casual viewer. The person who wants to eat popcorn and watch something pretty without having to think too much about it, which is very snotty sounding, but hopefully you know what I mean. It's it's just missing oh, yeah. that piece that makes it more accessible, which is what makes me love movies like that even more. I want to take karate. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever oh, taken yeah. karate. Every five minutes of this show, I was like, I want to take karate. I'm the type of guy, I get my hopes up too high for everything. You know, I get too excited for these things, and, you know, Cobra Kai came out, and I'm like, God damn it, they're doing it to me again, I'm too excited for this, it's probably not going to be anywhere near as good as I want it to be. And it was so much better. I had expectations that were way too high, and it passed every one that I had. Man can't stand, he can't fight. It's making me watch the first movie, the second movie, it's making me watch the movies again. Yeah, I love the Karate Kid movies so much, the good guys and the bad guys, and Cobra Kai, of course. It's blew my mind, way better than it has any right to be. A man can't breathe, he can't fight. 
that first Karate Kid movie, yeah. it shaped the whole way that you even thought about like the sort of bully-victim dynamic, the mentor-mentee dynamic. A man can't Karate was this mystical thing back then, and the way this movie yeah. handles introducing it, and then that becomes a theme that never leaves. It's throughout the whole franchise. I think that's something that makes this have a lot more emotional punch watching it older. Yeah, these movies, they're every bit as good to me now as they were as a kid, and even though I know every fucking line to all three of the original movies and half the series by now, it's still, you know, this shit can make me Cobra cry, man. Yeah. This franchise, the way it connected its movies, was one of the things that always struck me as a genius move. I think it was probably worth it that we did not get more Karate Kid movies for all this time, because when it came back, it came back the right way. This was worth the wait. We'll call this the beginning, man. This is the, how it starts. The beginning of Hollow Nine Dojo, or Dojo Nine. Fear does not exist in this dojo. Pain does not exist in this dojo. We do not train to be merciful here. This is a place of learning. This is a place of knowledge. For years we've gotten from Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. And now it's time for us to get back. It'll, it'll open up a way for us to talk about all kinds of martial arts movies. There's also, like, no way to not compare those instantly to Karate Kid. Man, face you, he is your enemy, and the enemy deserves no mercy. We teach the way of the mic. Welcome to Dojo 9. I'll, I'll word it even better. If Dark City is the Jack Daniels, then The Matrix is the watered-down, iced-on-the-rocks version of the other whiskey, that other brand that you buy that's so cheap, and you don't even know it's like Cousin's Whiskey. <laughs> and it, it, it does the job, you know, but, but you can drink it easier mm -hmm. than Dark City. Um, Dark City is definitely the intellectual version of The Matrix. I 100%. I, I agree with you on that. Um, because and, and, it, and I think it is. It's because it is not a, there is not a lot of action in it. And you know what? I, I, I guess I can also understand why um, uh, Alex Poreos, I, I, I guess I can understand with the tragedy that, you know, unfortunately shadows um, this movie kind of of the crow. Right. Uh, with with the tragedy of Brendan Lee, because he wanted Brendan Lee to be on this movie. He he thought of this movie while he was actually making The Matrix, and him and Brendan Lee would kind of talk about what they wanted to do next, and Brendan Lee really apparently liked this idea of Dark City. So instead of, you know, a mulleted shul, you, you might actually have had Brendan Lee uh, as, as kind of the main guy. And I actually think that would have really worked. Ian, uh, you just, I didn't know this, and you just crushed my heart. And I'm. Can we take like a five minute pause so I can sob quietly? Oh no! <laughs> no. I no that that would have been so. I can't even think about the things that Brandon Lee would have or could have done had oh, he not died. Yeah. And to put him in one of my favorite movies, another one of my favorite movies, because a crow is mm. right up there too. I, oh yeah, it that's so heartbreaking. <laughs> Yeah, I, it is. I mean, it's so tragic. And so, you know, but because of that tragedy, I can understand why Alex Proyos would have wanted to maybe do a movie that, uh, you know, 
doesn't really have a lot of violence, doesn't have a lot of guns, doesn't, I mean, like, you know, the Hurt has some guns, but it's not like he really fires it a whole lot. You, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, so I, I, I totally get that this is not an action movie. Yeah. You know, it, it's straight science fiction. It really is science fiction. Uh, you know, this is not the Star Wars kind of science fiction or, or you know, Space Hunter or you know, some of those <laughs> other, you know, you know, great your Mad Max movies, you know, where, where you can just sit back and just not even think. You know, as I said, you have, to, you have to pop in Dark City. I think you have to pop it in a couple of times to really kind of get it, to kind of understand, to kind of see all the little things you missed that first time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you're kind of seeing it. But uh, but but no, I, I really do. I do. I do think because this movie was just so just under that shadow of so many other things that I kind of understand why it might have disappeared a little bit. Um, but obviously, the main reason it kind of disappeared, it didn't make that much money. You know, mm-hmm. and if a, if a movie doesn't make money, let's be honest, it's not going to warrant a follow up. It's not going to warrant a sequel. And I also think because The Matrix came out a year later and showed how to do an idea like Dark City that audiences wanted more, I think there was just no chance. Yeah. Uh, But as the greatness of this podcast, we're going to rectify that. (laughs) Because this is the vintage cinema repair, and we are here to find out if there was a sequel to Dark City. Where would it go? And CM told me she has three pages of notes <laughs> on this subject matter. So I'm just going to kind of sit back, eat some popcorn, and just listen. So where would you have taken this, CM? Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, I'm so nervous because this is like I want this to be really good. <laughs> oh, I, I, it's going to be good. If you love this movie, it's going to be good. So, <laughs> All right. Sci-fi and horror are at war in my heart. I love them both so much. So I, I would definitely keep that blend, keep the feel in the sequel of the original and the detective noir stuff too. I can't get enough of that. We don't have enough of that. We need so much more. That in werewolf movies. So I'd, I'd keep all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Wolf 3, Teen yeah. <laughs> So the look and the feel of my sequel would definitely honor the original. And I think what would happen would be that John would bring a few, you know, very select others into his confidence and help them understand what's really happening, that they are on. Is this supposed to be spoiler free or can I go more? into? Oh, spoil away. Spoil away. If you haven't watched. Here's the thing. Stop the podcast now. If you haven't watched Dark City, watch the movie. We'll give you one second. Okay, there we go. All right, awesome, so go ahead. Perfect. Okay, so he'd let them know what's really going on, that they are on this this spaceship, basically. They're in space. This is an experiment. These aliens have been keeping them here for who knows how long and altering their lives by implanting false memories. And they've lived all kinds of different lives. Which I did not see coming. I'm no. going to be honest. I, did, I didn't see it. I thought this is a different world. This is, the you know, and then all of a sudden, oh, Okay. Yeah, I usually spoil movies for myself on accident because I'm always thinking about what might be happening. And not that I'm like a a great movie watcher, but I'm usually pretty close or right. Didn't get this at all. And I love that so much. 
CM turns to the last page of a Stephen King book to see what. No, just. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I would. I would die. That'd be horrible. <laughs> so, so he would keep the the rest of the small society in the dark just to keep them from panic. And this group of individuals, they might agree that they need to find Earth if possible. Although, in my heart, can I swear? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Please do. In my heart, I want them to say fuck Earth and go on to explore the universe because they are in space. Like, we have not achieved that mm. like this. That is an amazing opportunity. And who knows what quadrant they're in, how far to Earth. Maybe their grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren will Ooh. be the ones to finally return home. Okay, so anyway, as they, they make this journey, they eventually run into another city, another spaceship of this experiment. It has a different look and feel, but the same basic concept. The strangers are experimenting on the humans to try to save their race, which is what we find out happens in the movie. So they're still the bad guys, but it's up to our original Dark City protagonists to keep their ship safe and also help the aliens realize what Mr. Hand came to understand at the end of the first movie because they were looking into they were looking to the mind to understand humanity and of course we know it's not that simple you know they think that no. it is it is our individuality that keeps our species going because our species is dying out but it's not our individuality it's actually our bonds and our togetherness so they have to come together with this other city and partner up and through their newfound bond they finally understand humanity and i don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to follow all of this idea up with something really unoriginal but I guess I'm basically making the Dark City sequel the prequel to the start of the Star Trek Federation because this is first contact oh, okay. but in like okay. a neo-noir way so I'm gonna interesting yeah and I feel which, like which honestly I think I think Star Trek Nemesis stole the look yeah. of the others from this movie, if you if you look at Tom Hardy's character in that movie, it, it absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you should just cast Richard O'Brien. I mean, yeah. <laughs> really think about it. That's interesting. So would you call it? Okay, so would you call it Dark City Part Two? Oh my gosh, I didn't even name it. Oh, you got to name it. You got to <laughs> name it. You got to name. Ooh. We can come back to it if you got to think about it for a few. Yeah, because I don't want something dumb like Dark City, Voyage Home, or Legacy, or Dark City, the darker. I don't know. (laughs) Dusk City. (laughs) Dark Uh. City 2. Dark Harder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. There we go. You just made it. There it is. That's Dark City 2. Dark Harder. There we go. That, that That is... they will fly off the shelves right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm curious since I'm so heavily influenced by obviously other things and that wasn't very original if there's anything you would change about my sequel that you think would make it better. You know the only you know I keep thinking about if you you know if you were to make this into a series. You know cuz I I I think the the one thing that and, and and again, I apologize, listeners, if we're if if I'm tying the Matrix and the Dark City together. I mean, they I really do view them as two separate movies. But it's interesting how one, you know, died prematurely, whereas one became a, a franchise just because it just waited. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I do think that there is something to the idea of 
this world that was created by the others that i i think it would almost be interesting to to have them do it again but maybe have them explore other sides of humanity you know like like this movie to me dark city focused on like you were saying the humanity the what makes us together what makes us survive and I wonder, it's like, what if the others focused on hatred? Ooh. You know, what, what if the others focused on what makes us kill our own society? And, and given the fact of, of what's kind of going on now in, in, in 2020 <laughs> during a <laughs> pandemic and, and all this stuff and seeing like all the, you know, we're right now, whenever this airs, you know, we're recording this at a time when these COVID numbers are just skyrocketing again. And all because humanity doesn't want to listen <laughs> and doesn't want to just relax. Um, and, you know, perfect example, I'm a teacher and I, you know, I hear uh, we, we need to have these sports games happen. And, and you know, well, we're going to shut down the schools, but we're not going to shut down sports. That's going to keep going. It, it's kind of like, why are we risking that? Right. You know, and I almost want the others to explore that dark side of humanity um, and and almost do the opposite end. And, and I think actually through doing that, I actually think you would get some more action into the movie. So I think Dark City 2, Dark Harder, would actually have <laughs> a little bit more action to it. I think it would actually have to have some... Um, where you're actually fighting the others. Because now, if you're exploring their minds and exploring this, this darker element of the humanity, I think it would actually, like, in a weird way, infect them. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of how it kind of did in the first movie. I think the violence would infect these creatures as well. Um, now, the question is, you said you would have Robert Shaw back, right? Yeah. Yeah, you would have to. I almost want him to come back almost like, you know, the the last third act Mm -hmm. where he pops in. You know, so we start off this movie with kind of somebody else and almost do like a Beneath the Planet of the Apes approach Mm -hmm. where, you know, John gets to come back and kind of save the day a little bit. Or even if he's just in that cameo, uh, like John gets in like The Fly 2. Yeah, where yeah. he kind of just is there to kind of explain a little bit as to how you can save the day. Because um, I just can't, I can't watch another hour and a half of a mullet. I, I, I got to be <laughs> flat out honest with you, CM. I can't do it. Uh, you could um, have a, a, you know, hair and makeup could make some changes just okay, to the you. mullet specifically. Thank you. Or <laughs> that's your biggest problem if, with my idea. Yes. <laughs> It is. It is. This this is my biggest problem of this movie. Hair really bugs me in a movie. Okay, so um, the first order of business is not to, you know, build this small group of people who all know what's going on and can make this decision about what their next steps are. It's to do some haircuts. Yes, okay. yes. The shared bondness of getting a haircut. <laughs> and look, we all know if you gotten if you let your hair grow during this pandemic and you went to go get your haircut, it was the best haircut you ever had. And don't <laughs> lie to me and tell me it wasn't. It was a beautiful day. That's true. Of getting of getting that haircut. It's actually funny, you know, we were talking on, on another episode, we were talking about Fright Night. 
if you ever watch the Fright Night movies. Yeah. And uh, the first one, he's got a great haircut. The second one, he's got the wickedest mullet uh, <laughs> this side of Billy Ray Cyrus. I mean, it it's just, it, the and it's like, I can't watch the movie. I got to put my thumb up to the screen <laughs> so I can like cover the mullet a little bit. No offense to any of our listeners with mullets, but but if you do like mullets, we have a great science fiction movie just for you. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, no, I think your, I think your idea is actually kind of cool, and 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 it, and it, it takes it to a different level. I think, you know, where where almost like we're, we you you've enjoyed the first one. But would you say yours, do you have to watch the first one in order to watch this one? I would, yeah. And mm-hmm. it just, it intrigued me the idea that depending on the, I guess, the resources of this alien species, I would think that they wouldn't just put all of their eggs in one basket. They would have to have multiple experiments going on with different variables, and they'd have to have a control group, too. So there has to be more than one at the very, very least, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. There, there. I mean, there would. I mean, and you know, let's be honest. If they're exploring humanity, you know, and humans, they're going to be exploring other species. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, and 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 I would, and I would actually, you know, actually, that might be really kind of cool, where we actually bring in another human-like race that's out there that maybe is better than us. This is becoming and, more and more Star Trek the more you talk. <laughs> it, it kind of is, actually. It's, you know, all you got to do. All right, you know what? Fine. The others are going to battle Vulcans. Okay, that's what it's. That's why. Or they've battled uh, Romulans, which is why Tom Hardy looks like the others mm. in Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, I love there this. There we go. There we go. <laughs> That's what happened. The others went into the Federation. They they signed the contract. They're going to be a part of the meetings. And now they're in Star Trek. So now does Kirk come in? Does Picard come in? Uh, yeah. Can we please get Janeway to come in? This, this we... is the best conversation I've ever had in my life. <laughs> You heard it there, folks. That's what we do here at uh, at Vintage Cinema Repair. We give you what you want. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it's 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 also interesting too because yeah, you know, like I said, I I would have to think if if a studio is actually serious about doing this, they would actually have to kind of action it up a little bit, you know. And do you feel that would ruin it? I do not. I think. The first film, not having that, it would be okay to introduce that into the second one because you don't want to make something that is so similar to the first that's like, well, why even bother watching one or the other of these? Or why bother making a sequel? So how do how do you set yourself apart in the sequel? Will you add, you stay true to the source material while adding something new, but like balancing that and doing that in a really graceful and classy way i think is very very difficult yes there's I mean, yeah and, that, and that's true you know it, it, it it's actually you know a lot of people think it's easy to do a sequel and you, you, the filmmaker me would actually argue it's a it is harder sometimes um and, and i will always say a perfect example 
for you know just a younger audience to think about is the difference between strangers you know strangers uh, oh I'm, stranger things um, stranger things season two versus season one you know when they had a, a you know a, a, a when they were kind of on their own, you know, this is a weird idea. Nobody knows if it's going to work or not. Maybe it'll just disappear into the Netflix universe. But when it got so big, now they had to kind of build expectations for the audience. Uh, and, you know, you're going to get a lot of cooks into the kitchen. Yeah, and, you're, and, 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 I are, and I would argue that sometimes sequels get ruined because of that exact element. There's so many cooks in the kitchen. Um, you would definitely, if you were making... Dark City 2, Dark Harder today, you would absolutely... I'm sorry, that's the title. I'm not going to veer from that. Uh, you would have to have... They would all, they, you would also automatically have that studio head coming in saying, no way. That first one was so... I had to sit through it. There was, it was boring. Uh, you know, I didn't want to think while I was eating my popcorn on a Friday night. Um, so we definitely need explosions. <laughs> Yeah. It's, I, yeah. I, I guess maybe, I'm curious what you think about this. I think maybe a good example, not necessarily the perfect example, but this happening um, correctly, probably, would be The Exorcist and its sequels. Because you, oh, have, wow. you have The Exorcist, which is more about not necessarily leading the audience, like with the score, for example. The music cues are not there to frighten you or tell you to feel frightened. They just, they support and they enhance what's happening on screen. And what is happening on screen is a lot of of space and room for everything to happen and for all the characters to be experiencing what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And none of that is present in the second one. But it it is a really cool story still. And you have these very interesting uh, sort of unique scenes and in, in this banter, you know, between the detective and the, the priest. And so they did find an element to include that captures you while taking from the original story, but making something completely different. I, can I also say this is probably one of my favorite conversations ever because you just defended The Exorcist to the heretic. I love that you defended that movie because nobody <laughs> defends Exorcist to the Heretic. <laughs> but no, I, I no, I, I do agree with you. Like, you know, Cameron um, James Cameron has this interesting concept that he, that he always said, um, you know, when you're doing a sequel, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have to have watched the first one mm-hmm. in order to watch mm-hmm. that movie. Um, and I would argue that I think there, there are some sequels that do that, and there are some that don't. There are some sequels where you have to have watched the first one uh, in order to get it. Um, a couple of examples, though, of, of Cameron's approach, I think, is, is The Road Warrior. You know, you don't have to have watched Mad Max to understand Road Warrior. Um, I would say you don't have to watch Terminator to really understand Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, from his example, but I would say you have to watch The Exorcist in order to understand The Exorcist too. I think you have to watch French Connection to watch French Connection too. Yeah, it, um, I and, so- and and I and I don't know if Dark City if if it, you know 
would you know if you were given that the money to do that sequel would the audience know about it well enough for them to let you kind of do just a direct sequel saying no watch the first one then come back so that kind of makes me think of of two things like the first i'm sorry you're gonna have to retract your praise of me because i was thinking of the threequel (laughs) i was thinking exorcist three I still like. Oh my god! Okay, but no. I, as long as you say you still defend it, but you know what? That's fine too. I'm not going to retract it because <laughs> some people, some people despise three. But I know a lot of people that actually will defend Exorcist three. Uh, in it, and and I would say if it's one of those things for me, if if there wasn't an Exorcist one, like if those if those yeah. movies, it's the classic Halloween three. If it had yeah. just been called Season of the Witch. <laughs> I think it would have found an oh. audience, but because it was Halloween three, audience is like, "There's no Michael. I don't like it." Halloween you know? so, three is my favorite of the Halloween. Okay, maybe I have a thing for the third movies. You do. I you guess do. I do. Well, and so I'm biased in another way too, because I, as you were talking, is like, you know what? I think I actually based my answer of whether or not you would have to watch the first one on my love of the first one and my desire to make other people watch it. So that's really not uh, a clearly thought out and critical answer. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would want Mm -hmm. people to have to watch the first one. I just, that response was more like, yes, of course, see the first one. It's amazing and beautiful and and you need to have that be a part of your life. So I I kind of agree with you. I don't think you necessarily have to have that be in place. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying if you did it, then I don't think you really, I think you'd have to jettison John's character. You know, I I think it would have to be a brand new character dealing with the others and and going through this new world. And that then if you introduce John later uh, as, you know, like I said, as that kind of the, 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 the wise man who knows all and, and can help the this now for them to defeat this new world that they're they're battling up against. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you'd have to do it that way almost. I, I completely agree. I, you don't want to 80s mom him. Please, please describe what that means. <laughs> I need to know that right now. By that, I just mean... <laughs> so in my uh, growing up, it was always the mom is dead tragically we don't see the mom something happened the mom is gone and it's just you know the dad and the kids or just the kids on their own and it's always the mom so to bring yeah to bring him back I think I think I would accept that you can't 80s mom him so you can't get rid of him completely you can't like kill him off off screen or pull a a fly two. even though I do not fault the fly two for that at all that's okay but yeah you got to bring him back I defend the fly two, so don't worry. The fly two I, is I, beautiful. I, it is. I watched fly two before I watched fly one, so I loved. Oh. <laughs> you know? But you know what's funny though? The fly two though is a perfect example though of what we're talking about. I think with Dark City that mm-hmm. you would have, you know, the fly two adds action and more. You know, it ups the ante a little bit with the horror, and it ups the ante with the violence, and it, because the first movie. Really, there's not really a lot of horror in the fly, other than it's a, a it's a the tragedy of what you know Jeff Goldblum's character goes through yeah. is of course, but is horrific, and that that very kind of that final scene we finally get some horror elements to it. But 
the fly too is just you know there's there's machine guns and there's 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 people's faces getting vomited and ripped off and and it's like they just they up the ante a little bit and I and I think they would have had to do that for Dark City Two Dark Harder. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I absolutely I absolutely agree with you that that I think they would have to kind of just have a a new character. Now, the funny part is though with this though is Dark City actually ended. Very much like, no, there's not going to be a sequel. You know, if you if you if you rewatch it, or do you not feel that way? I I think that John's act of of turning the ship towards the stars so that they could have sunlight, and and kind of opening up that beach, I don't think that necessarily ends it. And and I think that's kind of why I came to you know maybe they're trying to get back to Earth. And on the way there, they run into more cities and, and it's just, you know, kind of, I guess I'm going a little bit Battlestar Galactica, too. Oh, frack you. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. Go no, 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 no. Not, I mean, <laughs> geez, um, influenced by it, not ruin <laughs> the ending. <laughs> um, okay, that's fair. Yeah, it, it's. It's interesting, you know, when a when a movie does that, uh, because nowadays, of course, all the, you know, everybody I think wants to to leave it up for a sequel, um, and, and I get I get why as a director sometimes you want to end it at, on a note to not have a sequel, and you know I would I would say there's some movies that shouldn't. I don't think there needed to be a Terms of Endearment too, <laughs> even though we got one. Uh, with the evening news and uh, or, or the evening star, sorry, um, but I yeah, it's hard when movies do it. Like I, Highlander is the perfect example. Um, they ended the Highlander the with he won, you know, mm-hmm. Highlander won. Like that's it, and then it's like they wanted a sequel. Well, what do you do? Yeah, he 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 was the last one of the immortals. He battled. Uh, the Krug and it's it's done. It, there's there is no more Highlander, and then now yeah. we know there you know there 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 can only be five thousand. <laughs> Can't just only be one. <laughs> um, you know, but but yeah I, I, yeah go ahead. D- Dark City did it right. I think it's a little bit there's a little bit of ambiguity there, which I always enjoy because you can say yes, it's ended, happy ending, or you know whatever you want to call it, new ending. But it's also open enough that you could easily continue the story. I think that's hard to do well. Well, and I think you stumbled upon it. The way to do it is the others are out there in other planets. They're in other galaxies. They're not just doing this here on Earth. They're doing it on, you know, Earth two, Earth five. You know, all they're they're doing it elsewhere with other creatures. And, and again, maybe, you know, one idea that I kind of thought of is wouldn't it be interesting if they stumbled upon a planet that's all peaceful? Mm. But what they actually find within the peacefulness is the repression of the anger. Yeah. That 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 these others have hidden it so well over the years that that literally they've they've vulcanized it. You know, they've yeah. they've they've <laughs> suppressed all their emotions, but inside is this this thing and, and all of a sudden uh, which are, which is what I love about the movie. It's almost like what we're thinking is an infection. Um, it, it it's you know what our thoughts of anger would actually infect the others, mm-hmm. just like our our thoughts of 
of what we love and what our passions are affected the others in this, you know, in the first Dark City movie. Um, I, I, I do think that's so, such, there's such an idea to that of them being somewhere else. Yeah, that's a great, great theme because you could, t- that's like a, each emotion could be its own sequel. It could, it could, it, it could, it, and that's, and that's why I think they, they, if they, if they had gone with it, yeah, you definitely could do, um, <laughs> the third movie would be humor. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting, is, but what's interesting, what's the opposite of humor? Uh, you know, uh, depression, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, the, the dark city three, uh, uh, what would be a great, te- what's dark city three? Uh, yeah. Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. <laughs> Dark, Dark City 3. D. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, and you can't go to space because they're already in space. They're already in space. So 4, it doesn't matter. Dark City mm-hmm. 4, they're already in space. So you got, you'd actually have to go to Earth. Oh, you know, you that, could have it. just Dark City 4. We're already in space. That's the tagline. We're our Dark City Four. We've already been here. <laughs> I'm not a, a good. I'm. I've never. Yeah, I'm not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this has been fun. This is great. I, I actually love this this concept you've come up with, Dark City, because I was sitting there I'm like, I don't know how you could do a franchise of Dark City at first. I'm like, it, it's kind of its own weird little thing. It's this little movie that I think cult fans find every once in a while, but you absolutely could turn this into a series uh, and, and kind of take it away from it. So uh, if you had a final thought about Dark City that you wanted you know, our listeners to know about Dark City and your feelings about it and, and where you'd go with it, what is it? Ooh, can I have a minute to think? <laughs> absolutely. Because my, my, my knee-jerk reaction was John's butt. John's butt? <laughs> And I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about leaving it there. Dark City Five, man ass, man ass, John's butt. Leave it there with the mullet. I guess I. It, oh my gosh! Oh, uh, wow! That just wiped away all coherent thought. Like the others. See, you're right yeah. there. You're right there. All thought are gone. You just need Kiefer Sutherland <laughs> to jack you with something. I guess I would just, uh, I would just say to people, if you haven't seen this and you decide to watch it based on this conversation, it's not going to be as unique because you've seen it done, because you've probably seen The Matrix and other things after that that have taken similar inspiration or been directly inspired by it. And I would just encourage you to take your time watching it and and remember when it took place and kind of think about its greater influence on the movie world. Awesome, awesome. CM, thank you so much for joining us here at uh, at Vintage Cinema Repair. Where can where can people find you again? Where where can they where can they reach out to you and and, and again, please pub, uh, please plug uh, Dairy Public Radio again. And where they can find that. You guys can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are all over the place. Just look for Dairy Public Radio. And, of course, we're on social media as well. We're on YouTube. We are. We try to be everywhere. 
And I that's it. Yeah, we're on Patreon. We have a website, constantreaders.org. If you want to check that out, that's uh, everything Stephen King and Stephen King adjacent. There are horror stories on there, poems, things that fans send us that we like to publish for them. And thank you so much for having me. This has been a fantastic and fun conversation. Oh, CM, absolutely. And definitely, please come back anytime you have a series to fix or a sequel to 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 discover please come back here um so again you can also listeners thanks so much tune in to us anytime on also on podcasts you know here on the hollow nine network uh but this is professor clink saying save that 25 cents be kind and rewind thanks so much for tuning in everybody You've been listening to the Hollow Nine Network, bringing you the very best in fan-made media. That's the word hollow, the number nine, I-N-E. Now broadcasting from our new home on the web, hollow9.com, where you can find info on all of our awesome programming as well as the team behind the shows. Leave us your feedback, join in the conversation, and be a part of the action. Find the Hollow Nine Network on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Email us at info at hollow9.com or at hollow9podcast at gmail.com. Join in the fun. Hollow 9. I don't know if you think making me repeat myself is going to somehow make the story change if you just don't want to hear what it is I actually have to say by again we changed course based on orders received on the flash band from company headquarters code gold command eyes only standard operating procedures I know you were aware we didn't just decide out of the blue to extend our trip by 18 months LV-324 is well outside the standard commercial shipping routes even under expanded jurisdiction Search and Rescue would rarely venture into an unregulated area without more concrete proof of life. We sure found something out there, all right. When you watch it as a little kid, you know, it's a monster movie. It's creepy. But then there's all the weird artificial intelligence stuff. There's the, like, rapey nature of the face huggers and all that. Why don't you stick your face in the egg, dude? Is there an egg opening in front of you? Stick your face in there and see what happens. When I fall asleep at night, I have this irrational fear that something is going to crawl inside and, like, lay eggs inside of me. I'm actually wondering, (laughs) now that we're talking about this, if this might have been the impetus for that. You know, Star Wars comes out and they go, what other movies do we have set in space? Boom, Alien gets green light the next day. Very similar to just even how our government is in preparation for something where they didn't know exactly what was in store, like specifically xenomorphs. Bodily fluids, and it's not just blood, there's a lot of like grease, and there's a lot of sweat. And Mm. it wasn't the blood that got me, it was the sheer amount of sweat. We're on a mission to bring back knowledge of the xenomorph. The end of all mankind, all wrapped up in a boat, just waiting for us to come along. And you want to bring one home for your friends in the weapons division. Merry fucking Christmas, right? Will you go ask those badass mothers that came back from 324 with me about that? Right there, all of splattered all over the walls of the escape pod. Be my guest. 
See, you can keep trying to make this about negligence, about insubordination, about chain of command and regulations, but when you're done with all that bullshit, you're gonna find yourself staring down the barrel of a living, breathing devil in the flesh that bleeds acid and lives to kill us.